Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams' is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap. Spot. Kick away. High enough. Long enough. Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnotta, with you guys as always. And today, it is Saturday, September 17th, and that's right, we already have a bye week for the Tar Heels. This is the unfortunate part of Carolina playing in week zero. So, uh, I am here to give you a little bit of entertainment here on this Saturday in terms of Carolina football. We've got a guest uh, that we're going to get to here really shortly um, in in Joe Yock, who was on the call for Carolina up in Boone uh, for the App State game. Former Tar Heel wide receiver during the early part of the Mac Brown era back in the 80s and 90s. And uh, he, he gave us some really straightforward opinions about this team. So you do not want to miss that coming up here in just a few minutes. But I did want to kind of take a minute to tell you what's going on around Tar Heel football. It's been, you know, a relatively quiet week as you would sort of expect when your bye week is this early in the season. There's not really a whole lot uh, that Carolina can do at this point. You would imagine that a lot of what they've been doing this week has sort of been fine-tuning some of the stuff that we saw from them in the first three games, especially on the defensive side of the football, although uh, the offensive side of the ball does have to bounce back from a three-turnover game as they get prepared for a game against Notre Dame, uh, a team that we're going to see later on today on TV to try to get a feel for what exactly uh, this team is now without their starting quarterback, Tyler Buckner. Drew Payne is going to be their starter. He started a year ago for them in the game against Cincinnati, a game that Notre Dame ultimately lost. Uh, and that was probably, if you look at them offensively, probably one of their worst, if not their worst game of the season a year ago. So we'll see if he is that same quarterback again this year. Um, the thing that is worth noting for Notre Dame is the fact that Drew Pine did not Uh, It didn't seem like really even got a chance to compete for the starting quarterback job with Tyler Buckner. So the Tar Heels could have an opportunity to capitalize on this when they hit the field next Saturday in Keenan Stadium. 
One thing, we did not talk to you guys about this the last time because we didn't have the date the last time that we did the podcast, or the time, excuse me, we did have the date, what am I talking about? Didn't have the time uh, the last time that we did the podcast. Carolina will be kicking off at 3.30 on ESPN or ABC against the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, so uh, this should be a really, really fun matchup for the Tar Heels, and they're looking to go 4-0. It's, if you look on social media, you would think that this team has probably lost a game or two so far this year, but somehow uh, they have had some inconsistencies on both sides of the ball, but they are still 3-0 heading into that matchup. In terms of what else is going on around Tar Heel football, there hasn't really been much. Uh, a lot of the stuff is sort of silent on the injury front for Carolina, although uh, there was some stuff released yesterday on Inside Carolina about a lot of those guys. Um, I know that they were they were trying to, to update a lot of those, and it seems like the majority of the guys um, that were out for the game against Georgia State but that had played at some point this season will be back. Um, they also, you know, think that it looks like there's an opportunity that Antoine Green can play in this game, but uh, there are two guys that still look like they could be out uh, for this game and, and would ha- uh, force Carolina to have to make some adjustments. Uh, that would probably, uh, at this point, um, most people, uh, I think, kind of knew. We hadn't really heard much about him. Um, you would imagine that if he was back and, and, and in practice, they would have said something. But Jaquarius Conley uh, is probably not going to be back here for the game against Notre Dame. And uh, it seems at this point that it's pretty uncertain when exactly he is going to return. We have not heard his name mentioned at all. And when they get back to being full participants in practice, Mac Brown makes sure to highlight that. Now, the good news is, if you're looking at it and saying, well, maybe there is still a chance that he plays uh, within the next couple of weeks, Mac Brown has not had a press conference since the game against Georgia State. So he could come out. Uh, you would imagine that he is going to have a press conference on Monday. He could come out and say that Jaquarius Conley is returning to practice in full starting this week or something like that. Um, but it's right now it's not looking promising that he is going to be able to play against Notre Dame. Uh, and really it's, it's kind of confusing uh, in terms of the actual timeline as to when he will be able to return to the field for Carolina for a defensive back group that sorely needs as much help as they can get with their start to the season. Uh, on the recruiting trail, uh, not a ton going on. One thing that was interesting that was posted the other day uh, most people have been focusing on the fact that Kevion Keys, uh, the Tar Heels' most recent commit in the 2023 class, the four-star linebacker out of the state of Virginia, is going to take a visit to Texas A&M, or at least that is the expectation, uh, that he will visit the Aggies at some point. I believe it is early October uh, that he had that scheduled for. But today, uh, Auburn playing at home against Penn State in a uh, big non-conference matchup. Uh, It looks like one of the other uh, of the Tar Heels' most recent commits in the class. Three-star defensive lineman Joshua Horton will be be taking a trip uh, to Auburn. It is not an official visit. He has already taken his official visit to Auburn, of course, back over the summer. But it is interesting to note that that was the team that for the longest time most people looked at and thought were the favorite for him. Now he is taking an unofficial visit there. So 
definitely worth noting the two most recent commits in the class for Carolina are uh, looking like they will take visits to different spots here uh, throughout the fall. And for uh, Joshua Horton, you wonder with how early it is in the season, will that be the last trip that he will take to Auburn? Uh, and is this going to become a race moving forward for Carolina to keep him as a part of this class? Definitely worth noting. But meanwhile, on the 2024 trail, Carolina with three big offers yesterday. Uh, and uh, the, a couple of guys that sort of grabbed the attention of people, the two five-star wide receivers, jo uh, Josiah Trader, um, who, who is from Hollywood, Florida, uh, one of the best players in the entire country in the 2024 class, listed as the number one wide receiver in that class. Uh, he is a guy that Carolina is now trying to get in the hunt for, and with the success that this offense has had, you just really can't uh, discount how much of a chance Carolina has with some of these skill position players really around the country at this point. They also offered a five-star wide receiver from Opalaka, Florida, and Jeremiah Smith, another one of the top players in that 2024 class. And uh, th this is Carolina going into Miami territory to offer these two guys. So uh, it's going to be a tough sled for uh, Carolina to pull on the recruiting trail if they want to land these guys. But definitely significant names. They also offer four-star running back in the 24 class, Davian Goss also out of Hollywood, Florida. So Carolina going after some of these big-time position players in that 2024 class. Of course, it is another loaded class in the state of North Carolina and Virginia. So you imagine that Carolina, a lot of the focus for them is going to be on those two states. But it is interesting to see that, these guys, that Carolina is starting to jump in more and more on some of these national guys, especially in that state of Florida, which I think starts to show the impact that Charlton Warren, a guy who was recruited in that area for years as an SEC guy, uh, may be able to have for Carolina on this staff as a recruiter. Well, that is what is going on around Tar Heel football here uh, as they are in the midst of their bye week. But we now turn to our interview, a guy that was on the call, as we mentioned, of that wild game against Appalachian State up in Boone two weeks ago for the Tar Heel Sports Network. He was up there with uh, Jones Angel and, of course, Lee Pace, and they did a tremendous job on that broadcast, but he's a guy that has been following Tar Heel football since he was a member of the Tar Heels back in the late 80s and early 90s under Mac Brown. Joe Yock, the wide receiver, uh, former wide receiver, and a guy that also does some TV stuff, the analyst for Liberty Football. He stopped by to talk to us a little bit about what he's seen from this Tar Heel team, including the game that he was on the call for, and also talked about Drake May and why he may be a guy that could be talked about by some NFL scouts for years to come. We are joined on our guest line today. It is Joe Jacques, who uh, did call the game for Carolina with the Tar Heel Sports Network up in Boone. We've got to ask him about that um, and, and ask him, you know, what it was like to be on campus at Carolina during the time that Mac Brown was back. And now, uh, well, his thoughts on this year's team. And uh, first of all, Joe, how's it going, man? I know, uh, look, that was the first time that you were on a Tar Heel Sports Network broadcast was for that game against Appalachian State, and you couldn't have picked a better game to be on, buddy. Absolute insanity. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that thing was 
that was unbelievable. I watched a lot of, you know, I was played and then, and then watched a lot of Carolina football throughout my, throughout my life. And that was, uh, the craziest game ever seen. And, um, it was, it was Jones was great. Lee Pace was great. It was just great to be a, a part of that broadcast. And, uh, what, what a, what a wild one that was. Well, yeah, and and you know the thing is, is you as as a guy that went to Carolina, was that the craziest game that you've been involved with? I, I mean, I know there have to be some other games that stick out from your playing career as well, but that one's got to be way up near the top. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it was the greatest game ever played, but it was, it was the wildest game ever played. There's no, I mean, I don't, I just can't see. I mean, I don't know if there's some old old games, but going back in the annals of Carolina football history, that there could be anyone wilder than that when you thought it was when you thought it was over it was just beginning you know i had said something during the broadcast and carolina went up i think it was 41 to 21 or something like that and i said hey jones this this crowd has gotten mighty quiet and i don't think you hear much from anymore thinking the carolina's gonna put the put the nail in the coffin and uh next thing you know it's uh off we went for a for a for a wild ro- roller coaster ride that was that was something else man so look, I mean, that's one of the games that I think people are going to look back on here for a while and probably point to, even if this Tar Heel defense does sort of start to get it turned around as a cautionary tale. Do you think that's how Carolina fans should sort of view that? What do you kind of take away from that game and that defensive performance? And you know, even this past week, did did you think that they showed signs of, of taking steps forward? Yeah, I mean, the thing the thing with that whole game is, you know, everybody got on the Carolina defense hard for, for good reason. You can't give up 40 points in a quarter. So, I mean, I get that part of it. But you also look at it from this aspect, and that is they went through the first and fourth quarters were brutal. The second and third quarters, Carolina's defense played very well. So when you start looking at the defense, you say, okay, if a defense is just bad, like they just they just can't play, they don't have the talent, they're not a, they, they don't have good coaches or they just don't have the ability to play. If that's the case, then they're usually bad for us the entire game. Carolina was has been a little bit of the opposite of that. They're bad in stretches. It's like the bleeding st- starts and and they don't they have a hard time stopping it. And in that game it started and then they stopped it and then it restarted again. Uh, you know, so but the players for Carolina, the coaching staff for Carolina, coach Chizik leading that defensive that defensive team, it, it, it's very good. I mean, there are players there. There's a lot of talent there. And so they've shown that they can get stops and stretches. And I think it was a big, big learning curve uh, for from the to the from the um, App State to the Georgia State game. And that being that when it started to go bad again at Georgia State and they went on that run and took the lead 28-21 after being up 21-3, uh, at that point, you thought, okay, this thing's going one of two directions. It's going to get really bad, or this thing's going to get reeled in because the talent's going to say that's enough, and, and the defense going to say that's enough, and Power Eccles sort of brought everybody together and, and said that's enough. And to, for them to be able to get, I believe it was four, four, three and outs, uh, you know, that was the difference in the game. So I think if you look at it from a you know, glass-half-full perspective, that – Carolina's defense may have gotten over the hump in that Georgia State game uh, and and hopefully moving forward against Notre Dame and now into the ACC play after that. It's it's going to be a different type of defense that we see. But when you look at it, there are some holes that need to be addressed um, that, that have been exposed. And the more film that they get on Carolina's defense, the more they're going to try to – the more teams are going to try to expose those those weaknesses. 
Yeah, I mean, the secondary, I think, is the area that a lot of people are looking at along with the defensive line. You know, when it comes to those units, I mean, you mentioned talent, especially on the defensive line. What are some of the things that maybe you noticed in that game that you think that they've got to be able to get cleaned up here? Well, you know, from the out-state game, you look at the long run at the beginning. You know, a linebacker who plays too quick over the top, wasn't patient. Mm-hmm. Uh, they only had a – when you get a five, they had five men in the box. And when you get a five, a real light box like that, even on third and long, some teams are going to run the ball. That's exactly what they did. So a lot of that goes back to just fundamentals. And you saw a lot of that cleaned up during Georgia State. There, I saw a really good breakdown. I can't, can't remember who did it, but I, I saw it on the website, a really good breakdown of a – of a play when Carolina was in their dime defense that they got burned on against App State that they ended up uh, getting a sack on against Georgia State. And, um, you know, so a lot of that stuff is fundamentals. You're seeing in the defensive front that the fundamentals are starting to get really cleaned up. Uh, you look at the App State game, especially late in the game, a lot of de- – what O'Lyman try to do is they want to take you – to where they want you to go. So they open up that that door, and you have to fight the pressure. Good D lineman knows how to fight against pressure and, and maintain his gaps. And what Carolina did in, late in the App State game is they allowed the defensive line allowed the lineman to take them where they wanted to go, and then the linebackers were not doing a great job of filling in the gaps. That improved a lot in the Georgia State game. So you're seeing the fundamentals get a lot better. I'm not worried. When you look across the board at the depth, on the defensive line for Carolina, and you look at the linebacker play that they have, and mm-hmm. with Noah, Noah Taylor, Kane, and Rucker, you know Cedric Gray, uh, you know they, these guys, Power Eccles, obviously. Uh, there's a lot of depth in that front seven. Uh, the secondary is is where where obviously there there is some there are some issues that they need to get addressed. But you did see consistent improvement, and you can't say enough from being in a locker room. The, the locker room is the main thing. When you're in that locker room, and they're able to come back and, and make those. Uh, four three and outs against Georgia State. That right there, that in itself could be the the turning point where these guys say, guys, here it is. We went down, we came back, and now we show that we can do it. So there is I definitely am a glass half glass half full guy. And I think there's a great opportunity for Carolina's defense to to really improve throughout the course of the season. Hey look, we love the glass half full guys. I mean yeah, I'm with absolutely. you. I'm I'm right there with you, man. And I think having a leader like Power Eccles on the defensive side of the ball can definitely never hurt. Um now look, you know, Joe, we go over to the offensive side of the ball and man, it was really on display in that game at App State that you called. Uh, but it's really been the entire season, the first three games of the year. And you're talking about an offense that looks like it could definitely be one of the most efficient uh, in Tar Heel history. What do you think is so special about this Tar Heel offense, and especially the guy that's under center in Drake May? Yeah, I mean, there's a recipe on offense. And the recipe is is Phil Longo and and Drake May. I mean, they're 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 the chefs of the thing. Coach Longo uh, needs to get a ton of credit because it's more than it's more than just play calling. It's understanding how to call plays and how to set things up. And when you have a quarterback under center like Drake May, who just gets it. I mean, he just and again, some of the kids a redshirt a redshirt freshman. Um, you know, for him to be able to get it that well in the, his offense is is phenomenal and what what coach longo does a really great job of is you see this in, in carolina's games is he sets up plays that you look at early in the game and they may not be big gainers on runs uh for example but you saw in a lot of the games and and the, the uh 
the App State game and then the Georgia State game is how they use the outside run in order to get people moving to set up the inside run. And they did that against Georgia State, which which allowed Amaria Hampton to, to be able to break that long run up the, right up the middle. That was a setup by Coach Longo throughout the throughout the course of the game for, for play calling. And then you look at what Drake May does. I mean, Drake May, and, and you heard Coach Mack, Coach Brown talk about this, and that was, he's a 6'5", 220. He can see things, you know. I love Sam Howell. I'm as big a Sam Howell fan as there is. He's everything that's right about Carolina football. Uh, but, you know, Sam, had the, the one knock on Sam was that he'd, he'd hold on to the ball. Mm-hmm. And and some of that may have to do with his size, that he just couldn't really see what was downfield. Drake, 6'5". And the throw that he made to DJ Jones uh, for the touchdown with, with that kind of blitz in his face, he's able to get rid of the ball. He's got poise. He's got, he's got savvy. He's got moxie. You can say all the words. He's smart. He's tall. He's got size. He can run. I mean, you start looking at him defensively if you're on the other side of it. I mean, this is a, a tough guy to prepare for. And then on top of it, you know, you, you look at the, how the tight ends have gotten involved in the offense and the amount of depth there. And then Kobe Pesor be able to step in for Josh Downs and do what he did, do what he did in, in, in the last two games. And then obviously J.J. Jones, who I've always thought was going to be really good. And then Antoine Green potentially coming back. There is a plethora of weapons available to Drake May and Phil Longo and oh, I mean we're not even talking we ain't talking barely talked about the running backs you know George Petaway the breakaway speed and Hampton the way that he can bowling ball through and 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 run people over yet still has the speed to breakaway long runs it's the, the the sky is the limit for Carolina's offense. We're talking to Joe Yock. He was on the call of the game in Boone for the Tar Heel Sports Network. Also does television play-by-play for the Liberty Flames. And, you know, that's one of the interesting things, Joe, is that, you know, we're, we're talking about a guy that's just so popular at the quarterback position like Drake May. And, you know, you had a guy last year that you were covering for Liberty and Malik Willis. The buzz around him with the NFL guys, you know, was from the, the beginning of the year. You saw scouts showing up with him for him. Uh, and he is a guy that a lot of people project moving forward could be one of the better young quarterbacks in the NFL. When you look at Drake May, do you see some you know NFL features to him? Because there's people that are kind of already wanting to compare him to Sam Howell and say he could be a guy you know because he's at Carolina he could fall down the boards. But you know when I watch him, I just think there's so, there's so much difference with him. The thing that sticks out to me, Joe, is he just looks so calm making these plays. It just looks so natural where there were times with Sam where you know we, we loved it because he looked a little bit out of control, but he would find ways to make a play. With Drake, it's just a dude that oozes confidence and calmness when he's out there on the field. Yeah, I think with Sam, and Sam, what I really respected most about Sam is his ability to do whatever he had to do in order to help his team to win. And, and last year it was, you know, you want me to play running back for you? Basically, I'll play running back for you. And uh, he did a he did a great job with that. He's, he's the ultimate competitor. He's the ultimate team guy. Drake is is a different animal. I mean, I, I really really believe my brother. My brother's been in the NFL uh, as a scout for twenty plus years. And I talked to him the other day about it. He hasn't, you know, obviously Drake's a, a freshman, so he hasn't really looked at him. But I, right. I said to him, I said, Jim, listen, this guy checks every box for the NFL. He's six foot five. He's 220 pounds. By the time he graduates, he'll be 230, 235 pounds. You go back and talk to the coaches in the off season. He's beating the, he's beating the running backs and defensive backs in the running drills. Mm-hmm. Um, he's fast. He's smart. 
He's tall. He's got a great arm. He makes all the throws. He's poised, you know, you're savvy, the moxie. You go down the list of what what do you want an NFL quarterback to be? And he checks every box. I you know have said this to a few people, and you know I'll say it live. Now is that I really believe when Drake May, when the draft comes around for Drake May, that that he's potentially could be the first overall pick in the draft, just because. Guys like him don't come along. The thing that worries me a little bit about Drake is, and a big part of this goes back to locker room, is when you're a new quarterback, a new position for whatever you're, the main thing in a football locker room is mm-hmm. this. Anthony, it, it's about one thing. It's about respect. And as a football player, the one thing that you want is respect of your teammates. And you were, the guys who get that respect are the guys who are the leaders of your team. And I think what Drake has said is, hey, I'm new. And he's, they, people saw how tough Sam Howell was. And they respected him for how tough he was. Yes, And Drake is trying to show his toughness right now. So you look at some of his runs where he's helicoptering himself, you know, and diving, trying to get in the end zone and, and doing something. He is a different body type than what Sam is. Sam was so compact and muscular and, and low center of gravity to the ground. He would just bounce off people. Drake is taller and leaner. Uh, when I was leaner, 220 pounds, but still he's six foot five. And so what I worry, the only worry I have for Drake is that he's got to stay healthy. I never really worried about him getting hurt, no matter what type of hit he took. But with Drake, uh, I think he can take some hits where he needs to stay healthy. But if he can stay healthy, he's going to, one, win Carolina a lot of football games just by simply outscoring people. And then, two, I think, you know, when you look at him, to, to Malik Willis type, like you brought up Malik Willis at Liberty, there's a lot of similarities there. Malik is more fluid as a runner. Uh, but I'm telling you right now, Drake has got speed. He, he, he makes things happen, and, and he can get in that open field and gain a lot of yards. I just hope, I just hope and pray that he stays healthy. Yeah, we could do without some of those plays where he jumps. I mean, he had one in the Boone, in, in Boone where he jumps up in the air, lands on his neck. Like, Drake, let, let's let's try to settle that down just a little bit. We love the fact that you're a gamer, but uh, I think, yeah, you kind of wonder, you know, with Sam and, and everything that he did last year. I mean, we saw him in the Miami game just run through guys. I think Drake has to realize, I'm maybe not built quite like Sam. Right. Um, right. But, but, yet, but yet at the same time, you know what Drake's trying to show us to teammates is like man i'm i'm all in i'm 100 percent in it right and the guys in the locker room respect that a ton and i i don't think anybody's well i mean the shots that he took the shot that he took against app state on that blitz Mm -hmm. and delivered a ball to dj jones he stood in there and he delivered that ball and he got absolutely smoked on that play and he was right back up ready to compete uh i mean obviously he comes from a he comes from a, a great a great pedigree in his, his family and and uh, so those, those all that all the May family are competitors and you know that's another big part of it too is the NFL looks at them. Yeah, and and I think the thing is, a lot of people don't talk about that because they didn't really show it on the broadcast. They mentioned that he was kind of slow to get up, but they never showed the replay of that hit that he took. So, you know, for you guys, you guys were probably able to point that out a little bit more. Um, But, you know, look, Joe, I think, you know, the ultimate question that a lot of Tar Heel fans have with this team and with the program overall is, you know, look, you were on campus with Mac Brown the first time that he was in Chapel Hill. And I think last year definitely concerned some people because of how high the expectations were and with, frankly, where the team finished a year ago at 6-7 and and how they finished out the season. But, you know, are you seeing similar elements and hearing similar things when you're around the team 
as to what you saw uh, and heard when you were around the team back in 93 when you were on campus and, and you know, the, the early years of Mac Brown? Yeah, I mean, Coach Brown, you know, I, was, I was in Coach Brown's first recruiting class, and when we got there, we were – bad football team and you know he was able to he was able to build it back up and one of the things i think that we as the group of guys that we all came in with are most proud of is we brought the program you know back back that class those first few classes brought the program back to respectability and then they were able to take off after that until mac brown obviously left and and went to texas uh but you see a lot of that same thing last year sort of caught me off guard a little bit definitely thought that they were they were going to be better than what they were but i mean let's let's be honest anthony i mean they were they struggled at the receiver position last year Mm -hmm. ty chandler came in and did a great job but you know josh downs was really the only one who was sort of carrying that that and then you know and obviously sam had to take a big part of the running game on so it became the season became different than i think what they expected this year offensively it's different it is different like you're starting to look at the pieces of the puzzle, depth at the tight end position, depth at the receiver position. Yeah, these are all young players. A depth at the running back position, a young quarterback, a, a, a good offensive line that can get better. Uh, and then defense, defensively, you, you go, okay, hey, there's there's depth at the, at the defensive line position. Uh, the linebacker position is very good. Uh, the secondary is where you look at it and you go, there's the Storm Ducks and Tony Grimes are guys that, that just got to step up. I mean, mm-hmm. the talent is there. Geo Bigger's a good football player. Cameron Kelly's a good football player. But, you know, they got to the, – the the Rude Boys is like when I played receiver at Carolina. So we were known as the Freaks. And and then the, the – originally, if you want a little history lesson here, Anthony, the original names for the Rude Boys came back – from back when I was playing where the DBs got the name, the rude boys from Thomas Smith and Cliff Baskerville and cookie Massey. And, oh, yeah. and, uh, who, they were that whole crew. They started, they, they were the original rude boys. We called ourselves the freaks. And so we would burn them all the time. And, and I like to refer to them as the polite boys, <laughs> 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 but, uh, yeah. So right now they're playing a little bit too polite and not playing so rude, but I really do believe in, in Dre Bly and, and what he's doing with the second uh, with the secondary and, and uh, uh, Charlton Warren what they're doing with the secondary. So I, I, I think that they'll continue to, to continue to improve. But but my point is this: is that the level of talent is there. Mm-hmm. It's there, and it's getting closer. What these guys need is to have some good games, have some success, have some confidence. But reality is. The secondary's really got to step up and get the job done. When they start getting some of those picks and turnovers and turn the ball over, uh, I think you're going to see a different Carolina defense. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. That's that's definitely one of those groups we've talked about a lot here that has to step up moving forward. And uh, I think you're right. You know, we've talked so much about the amount of talent that Carolina has brought in, and it's been proven in the past that when you bring in this type of talent, it leads to success on the field. So, uh, but, but you got to do it. You got to right. do it. That's it. There. That's a, That's the thing. It's like I don't care. And that's got to be the attitude, which I'm sure you know. Coach Chizik's been around a long time. Mm-hmm. He gets it, right? But when you, nobody cares. Nobody cares how many stars you have beside your name once you get on campus. It doesn't matter. Yep. Okay, you're going up against. You're competing up against other offensive lines that are at Notre Dame in the next in the next two in the next week after this week, mm-hmm. and these are grown men, and nobody cares about your stars. 
you got to go get it done. And it's, it's to that point now. It's like, okay, you got all this talent. Well, it's time to produce. And, you know, you cross the board from, from the secondary to the linebackers to the, to the D line, all that talent is there. Now they got to put that talent on display and shut people down. And I really believe they will. I really believe they will because, because coach Chizik's smart. He knows what he's doing. Uh, they've got a good staff and they've got good players. Now it's a matter of just getting the confidence for all to come together. And I think if it all does come together, it's going to come together really well. I just hope it comes together at the right time. That is Joe Yock. He is here with us on the Heel Tough Blog podcast. Hey, Joe, uh, thanks for uh, stopping by with us. Hey, man, when is the next time you're going to be on a call for uh, Tar Heel football this year? I don't know. I was just subbing in for for uh, Brian Simmons for that week. Brian uh, wasn't able to make that game against App State, so you know, I'm, I'm I'm always hanging out in the bullpen. I, I try to keep the arm loose and uh, had a blast doing it. Really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. Uh, those guys are great guys. I do the obviously do the Liberty broadcast for ESPN yeah. uh, for the television, and so if there's if there's open weeks, um, all 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 Jones has got to do is get a little tap on the tap on the forearm and I'll come running out of that that bullpen hot well, that hey, that is true. We we uh we we heard the calls and man, I tell you what, you came out hot and I think we all appreciated it because you know it was it, it definitely sounded like you know one of us up there calling the game. I love the emotion, man. It was tremendous. Um and yeah, I mean, we'll, I'll definitely be checking you out on a couple of the Liberty broadcasts. I I think uh, that group that group is going to be uh, a lot better than people realize this season. They got a big game coming up uh, against Wake Forest this weekend. So uh, hey, man, thanks for stopping by with us man uh where, where can people follow you on twitter real quick uh at yacht talk it's j-a-u-c-h talk yacht talk um and so yeah take take me a follow on twitter got some good stuff over there try to keep it light try to keep it funny and but yet at the same time talk a little talk a lot of good stuff about football all right joe we really appreciate it man thanks for stopping by with us take care all right thanks anthony appreciate you all right man hey guys anthony here for raycon wireless earbuds Guys, you want to check these earbuds out. I told you guys multiple times so far this year on the podcast that some of these Toriel games and a lot of other games throughout the country on Saturdays and even sometimes on Sundays, I have to use my Raycon wireless earbuds to be able to listen to and keep tabs on these games with the job that I'm working. And there are plenty of jobs like that. I know that you guys you know, may be out or even if you're just in the gym and you wanna be able to sort of multitask, you need the right earbuds to be able to do that. And the Raycon earbuds are the perfect ones for you guys. Raycon's everyday earbuds look, feel, and sound even better than ever. And with optimized gel tips for the perfect fit, you never have to worry about these earbuds falling out or being uncomfortable. Raycons give you eight hours of playtime and 32 hours of battery life, so you don't have to worry about these dying anywhere whenever you take them with you. Raycons are priced just right. You get quality audio at half the price of other premium audio brands. It's no wonder Raycons everyday earbuds have over 50,000 five-star reviews. Make sure that you check these out because look, they've got some unbelievable functions as well that make them easy 
and convenient to use. You've got the earbud tap functions, which allow you to sort of fast forward through stuff and everything like that. Um, if you're listening to music or if you are listening to podcasts to get to the next episode. And they also have three customizable sound Profile. So that means that if you like to listen to your podcast on one level, but you like to listen to your music, and maybe you like to listen to games on a different level, you can set all three of those so that when you go into a certain mode, it will automatically have those volume levels ready for you. Go to buyraycon.com today and use the promo code TPPN15 to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's code TPPN15 at buyraycon.com to score 15% off. Buyraycon.com, code TPPN15. The NFL's opening week was action-packed, and it's just getting started. Get ready for week two of touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any football game and get $200 in free bets instantly. Want more action? Everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings early win promotion. It's simple. This Sunday, bet on any NFL team to win, and if your team leads by 10 points at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if your team loses, Falcons fans. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TPPN to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's promo code TPPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. There are plenty of ways to find out everything that you need to know about Tar Heel football and basketball. Just go to Facebook, search at Heel Tough Blog, and find the Heel Tough Blog Facebook page and like it. When you do everything, the articles, the podcast, all in one central location on your timeline. Not a big Facebook user? Head over to Twitter. At Heel Tough Blog on Twitter, make sure you give it a follow, and you can follow the personal pages of our talents here at the Heel Tough Blog, at HTB Anthony for Anthony Pagnata, myself at HTB underscore Josh for Josh Marlowe, and at Hack Zubbard two for our recruiting analyst Zach Hubbard. All right, so we want to thank Joe Yock for stopping by with us, guys. We hope you guys enjoyed that as much as. We did. What a fantastic talk with him and a guy that uh, you got to love hearing from. Extremely excited. If you go back and listen to his calls from the App State game, uh, you could tell just the excitement oozing out. I think it's something that we all love to see. Make sure that you are following him on social media. He does a great job. He Look, he calls those games for liberty, but he also does a tremendous job of staying up to date on everything that is going on around Tar Heel football. So we appreciate him stopping by with us, and uh, we encourage you guys now, head over to the website, HeelToughBlog.com. Check out all the stuff that we've got going on over there. Uh, it is the bye week, so it is a little bit slower, but uh, we did get the basketball conference schedule for the 2022-23 season for Carolina. Uh, so make sure that you head over and check it out on the website. Josh has a breakdown for you of all of the opponents that Carolina will be facing in conference play this year as they come in with some of the highest expectations that they have had for a season uh, since that 2017 season where Carolina, of course, 
went to and won the national championship. So make sure that you guys are checking that out. In terms of football, we are taking a look at the Carolina defense here in this bye week. How does Carolina get this group to be one that they can trust down the stretch of the season? What does Gene Chizik have to do? What do the players have to do uh, for this defense to take a step forward and be the group that we saw even back in 2015, that bend, don't break type of defense, or even get to be that defense that we thought they could be before the season started. I tell you all of that on the website, HeelToughBlog.com. So that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the podcast. want to thank Joe Yock for stopping by with us. want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Torians! Hey guys, Anthony here. We want to thank you guys for listening to this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. If you could, make sure you head over to wherever you listen to your podcast, find out where you can rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast, and go ahead and do that for us. The rating and reviewing, that helps us to move up some of those rankings, and the subscribing, that is for you, so you don't miss any editions of the podcast coming up. We look forward to you being a part of the Heel Tough Blog podcast family moving forward, and thank you once again for listening to this edition.